0: For 50% off, visit rosettastone.com slash LeVar. That's rosettastone.com slash L-E-V-A-R. Hey, y'all. Happy Thanksgiving week. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode, but I wanted to showcase an immersive remix of one of my favorite stories by Rebecca Roanhorse, one of my favorite authors, called The Take Back Tango, a great heist story set in outer space. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you next week. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction, and I read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them. And I hope you will, too. Well, y'all, today I'm going to read you something from a very specific genre of crime writing, the heist story. Now, I love a good heist story. And unlike when I was a kid, I love rooting for the heisters. (laughs) I love a heist where the criminals actually pull it off. Um, It gives me great pleasure when that happens. This story is by one of my favorite authors, Rebecca Roanhorse. And I've read a couple of her stories here on the podcast over the past few years, and I just keep getting sucked into her work. It's often got this dark sense of humor and She has a really fantastic way of writing genre that center Black and Indigenous protagonists, and I love that. Welcome to your authentic Indian experience. TM was a virtual reality story from the perspective of an Indigenous man who has to act like an Indian. Her story, wherein Abigail Fields recalls her first death and subsequently her best life, was a Western tale of vengeance set in an all-black settlement. And now we've got a caper story, set in a galaxy where people plunder from smaller, more vulnerable planets. It's called The Take Back Tango and was first published in the anthology A Universe of Wishes. Now, in the story, our protagonist is a very clever and outwardly confident young woman who's flying solo, except for her trusty AI sidekick. And when we meet her, she's preparing for her latest heist, one that she hopes will right some wrongs from her past. So, if you're ready, let's take a deep breath.
1: And begin. The Take Back Tango by Rebecca Roanhorse
0: I dropped into the Imperium airspace, my engines running hot. My little ship rattled and hummed underneath me, and not for the first time... I wondered how long the My Heart Will Go On would hold together. There was nothing inherently wrong with her except that I'd put her together from pieces I found in a scrapyard and she was doing her best, just like me. Hold it together, sis, I murmured as I checked my scanners. Yep, yep, all good. Nothing worse than a little too much heat coming out of hyperspace. My ship would be fine. Me, on the other hand, I wasn't so sure. Just because I couldn't see any hostiles didn't mean they weren't out there hiding. I flipped on my internal comm. Talk to me, Evie. What have I got? The old communications device sent static back along the line, and I asked again. Evie, you there? Affirmative, a voice said, resolving out of the static. The voice was female, friendly, and entirely not human. My evolutionary vocalization unit, aka Evie. Here is always Vi. How can I help you? I grinned. Evie may have just been an AI unit in my ship, but she was my go to girl and my best friend. She had gotten me out of more close calls than I could remember and was always a steady voice in my ear, whether she was reading the schematics of a space station to find me an escape route out of a tricky situation, or jamming hostile frequencies to gain me the few extra moments I needed to pull off a job. I owed that AI my life a dozen times over. Any hostiles? Negative. And I've secured the required landing clearance to get you to the Imperium Capital for the Big Party. Sweet, Evie. Thanks millions. The Big Party was the Imperium's semi annual Treasures of the Empire Gala, where the elite of the galaxy gathered at the Museum of the Conquered to gloat over the wealth stolen from smaller, more vulnerable planets. It never failed to draw a crowd and its share of enterprising thieves. Of which I was one, sort of. As if the Imperium isn't the biggest thief of all, I thought bitterly. And that fact made this job different. Normally, I was what they call a cat burglar. Light of touch and quick on the in and out. Most people didn't even know I had robbed them until I was three systems away. Drinking a fruity daiquiri on some beach planet. I know not everyone approves of a criminal life, but the Imperium didn't leave people much choice these days. We did what it took to survive, and this was what it took for me. Evie identifying and acquiring wealthy targets, and me relieving them of their unearned wealth to redistribute to, well, myself. Not exactly Robin Hood, more like just robbing. But this job was different. Stealing from the Museum of the Conquered was personal. Very personal, I said, rubbing the glass vial pendant around my neck. The vial was filled with red dirt, a memory of my home planet, the only thing I had left. Once I had had a family brothers and sisters and cousins. But the Imperium had taken them all, raised the planet for its natural resources and enslaved the people to work the mines and pipelines and space elevators. And those who had rebelled had simply been killed, like weeds that needed pruning to allow the Imperium to flourish. But the Imperium hadn't stopped with enslaving humans and extracting natural resources They'd raided the sacred places of my people, taking the carvings and masks that had been our connection to our gods and our place in the galaxy and put them in their museums as a display of their dominance. There was never a thought of what those sacred items meant to us, the handful of survivors of their genocide, how their loss cut us off from both our past and our future. It was a violation that ripped our souls apart and cast them adrift in the vastness of space, both physically and spiritually. They had come to my home planet fifteen years ago. I had been a baby, lucky to be sold to passing traders rather than killed outright. Traders who turned out to be pirates and happily made me one of them. They were my family for a while. And I loved them. Zinni with his goofy smile and bad jokes. Chris, who always shared their desserts with me. And our surrogate mom, Lantana. They gave me a name like theirs in memory of the flowers that grew on humanity's legendary home planet. Because I couldn't remember my first name, the one my parents had given me. But the Imperium took my pirate family, too, in a raid on Primus. Everyone died but me, who had the luck, or unluck, of being on a run to buy much-needed fuel. They'd been sitting ducks without it, and dead ducks in the end. So now, at the ripe old age of sixteen, if it take a few months, it was just me again. A me that ached for both my lost families, but mostly for justice. I wanted No, I needed to take back something of what the Imperium had taken from me. Reclaiming the sacred objects of my home planet felt like a step toward that. Ready to break orbit and enter the atmosphere over the capital, Evie said, her voice smooth and reassuring, like it always was. I nodded, although there was no one there to see me. Lead me in, Evie, I said into the calm. And she did. I could see the massive capital city splayed out below me. And for a moment, I was awestruck. Gleaming metal structures, buildings that touched the clouds, millions and millions of kilometers of roads and airways and... civilization. Or what passed for civilization. Since surely nothing civilized could build itself on the backs of so many of my people murdered... All those citizens of the Imperium down there profiting off my dead planet without a care. Maybe those sacred objects weren't much to them. Another exotic artifact from off-world savages to be admired in a museum between fancy cocktails and a catered dinner, but they were everything to me. Landing in three minutes, Evie said. Let's do it, Evie, I said, flipping on the autopilot. Time? to take back what's ours. Sneaking into the Museum of the Concord was easier than expected. I walked in the front door. They really are that arrogant, I muttered to Evie through my well-hidden comm device. It was a portable that kept me connected to the AI in the ship. That way, Evie and her big brain could keep working for me while I was on foot, reading the blueprints and security cams of the museum. Yes, Evie agreed. But some credit must go to the very convincing paperwork that supports your invitation, Princess Amaryllis. I snorted. The princess thing I'd done on a whim. People of the Imperium often assigned royal titles to themselves when claiming ancestry from conquered planets. After all, no one wanted to admit that their great-great-grandfather was at best a promiscuous scoundrel, at worst, something far different. Better to say your grandmother was a princess of a long-lost kingdom, even if the other branch of your ancestry was the reason the kingdom was lost to begin with. I traded my preferred trousers and pilot's jacket for more formal attire that befit a princess, albeit one from an obscure planet that hopefully no one in attendance had heard of. My long dark hair was pulled back from my brown face and twisted into an elaborate series of braids that Evie had determined were all the fashion in the capital. Blooms of violets i traded with a hothouse gardener I knew from my pirate days were woven into my locks, my own touch, and a perfect color match for my deep purple gown. I'd kept my boots on, in case I needed to run, and hoped the length of the dress would cover them. If not, I'd play off my unusual footwear as a teenage peccadillo. Do not become overconfident, Evie warned. Security will be abundant, and you are not clear of impediments yet. As you know, the gala is a target for thieves, and the Imperium has taken precautions. I'm counting on that fact to cover my escape, I said. I had already sent out half a dozen false calls to notorious pirates I knew from my old days, purposefully increasing the interstellar chatter to cover any trail Evie and I might accidentally leave. I passed a couple holding long-stemmed glasses full of gold and liquid. They smiled indulgently at me. Probably thought I was someone's daughter at my first dress ball or something. I smiled back, showing teeth. Suckers. Little did they know. Which way? I asked Evie once I'd cleared the foyer. The exhibit hall of artifacts is 40 paces straight ahead and to your right. Then, another 14 paces before another right. Once there, you will have to pass through security once again. That should place you directly in front of the sacred objects you seek. Cheers, Evie. My pleasure. I tapped off the comm in my ear and made my way down the hallway, counting my steps and exchanging bland but appropriate smiles with passing strangers. I took the right turn Evie had instructed me to and... Then, after 14 paces, the second right. Invitation, miss? A tall, bulky man in a dark uniform asked me. Of course. I handed over the card with its fake information chip to the security guard, who ran it through a handheld device. He frowned, brows creasing on a face a good half meter above my own. My heart rate jumped. "'Nothing could go wrong now. I was so close. "'Is there a problem?' I asked airily, "'hoping I sounded properly rich, annoyed, and innocent at the same time. "'My apologies, but—' I held my breath. "'Yes, I referred to you as Miss, when your proper title is Princess.' "'I stifled a groan. "'Oh, stars, I'd almost had a heart attack for nothing. "'It's fine, really.' I said. I let a small smile spread across my face. Just don't let it happen again. Of course not. And then I was breezing through security, trying desperately to force my heart rate back to normal. I wandered through the artifact exhibit, holding back tears. Everywhere I looked, were the treasures of a whole civilization, my civilization. The first hall was full of jewels, some raw from mines and some exquisitely shaped by artisans into bracelets, necklaces, and earrings. The wealth of generations. The next hall was labeled Archaeological Artifacts. Walking through it, made my stomach roil uncomfortably. Here, the items were encased in glass with a tiny holographic plaque that described them in insultingly simple terms. Mask. Ceremonial item. Recovered at Mountain 32B, Imperium Year 1598. Rattle. Ceremonial item. Recovered at Mountain 32B, Imperium Year 1598 Child's Skull Funerary Object Recovered at Valley 12, Imperium Year 1589 That last one made me gag. A human skull? What was it doing in a museum? Why had they taken it off-planet to begin with? My wave of nausea gave way to rage. I would return all these items to what was left of my people if I had to spend the rest of my life searching the galaxy for them. Amazing, isn't it? A voice asked. A boy stood behind me, his expression mildly curious. Amazing. It's barbaric. I growled without thinking. Is it? He asked, looking at me through long black lashes. He passed a hand across his golden hair, pushing his already impeccably coiffed bangs back into place. He wore a long coat of bright blue that matched his eyes, and a solid ruby-red ring sparkled on his middle finger. That ring was worth more than the My Heart Will Go On. And you are, he asked, Princess Amaryllis, I supplied haughtily. Inside, I was kicking myself. Why had I said anything to this boy? He was clearly Imperium, born and bred. Would a princess really call the Imperium barbaric? His smile was small and thin. A princess? Never met one of those before. I narrowed my eyes. That ring and that jacket say otherwise. He fingered his lapel as if noticing it for the first time. Do they? He shrugged broad shoulders. Well, nice to meet you, princess. Do enjoy the barbaric exhibit. And then he was taking his smile and his ruby ring with him as he moved to the next exhibit. I frowned. Thought to shout out to him, say something more, but what? I should be glad he was gone, and I was spared whatever that interaction would have been. It was one thing to pretend to be a princess for a security guard and a few random moments of intrusive questioning, but if the stranger had asked me more about my supposed kingdom, I wasn't sure what I would have said. Still, there was something about him, something that seemed familiar. But how many blonde-haired, blue-eyed Imperium rich kids did I know? Thankfully, none. Focus on the mission, I muttered. The lights blinked above me, a sign that the exhibit was closing. I scanned the room, gaze roving over tables, stands, and glass boxes. And there, in the far corner exactly where Evie said it would be, an air vent. I did another circuit to make sure the room was empty, nodded at a few stragglers who were wandering out, and then made my way back to the vent. I slid on my gloves, checked the anti-gravity booster on my boots, and took a deep breath. In one leap, I was even with the vent. Two breaths, and I'd used my screwdriver to remove the vent. Three breaths, and I'd slid my body inside. Four, and the vent was back on. And all I had to do was wait. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. And every episode is a living account of what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Because stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
1: Now, let's get back to our story.
0: I may have dozed a bit because when I opened my eyes, the exhibit was dark. All the lights off except the security grid on the floor and the floodlights over the exhibits. Satisfied I was alone, I clicked my comm back on. You there, Evie? Affirmative, Vi. Can you disable the security on the glass boxes in the exhibit room I'm in? Processing. Please stand by. While Evie did her job, I got ready to do mine. I slipped my tools from the secret pocket in my ball gown sleeve basics of the profession, a multifaceted lockpick in case Evie couldn't disable the lock, a pair of printless sensory gloves, vibro pliers, my trusty screwdriver that had gotten me into the vent, and a lot of nerve. Eevee. Negative, I. The lock system is not attached to the network. I'm afraid you're on your own. Got it. I carefully removed the vent, wiggled my body out of the small space, and dropped into an unlit square on the floor. I froze, waiting for a security wail telling me I'd picked the wrong place to drop, but the only sound was the low hum of the system still in place. Exactly. How I wanted it. I would be in and out before they even knew they'd been robbed. I slid the lockpick into my hand, ready to get to work. Oh, what have we here? A voice just to my left. I spun, holding the pick out as a weapon, expecting to see the burly security guard. But it was the boy from before. The Imperium snot. What are you doing here? I whispered harshly, brandishing the pick. I wasn't much for violence, but I'd protect myself if I had to. The boy lifted his hands in the universal sign of innocence. In one hand was a crowbar. Came back for a little smash and grab, myself. Didn't expect to find company. You're a thief? I asked in disbelief. I prefer Artifacts, Liberator. My eyes rolled all the way to Primus and back. What were the chances? I narrowed my eyes in suspicion. Wait, are you making fun of me? I don't even know you. Right, but something was off. But your hair, your eyes, that damned ring. Your Imperium. I'd bet my best lockpicks on it then you'd lose your lockpicks. This is a disguise. Heard of him? Hair's a dye job. Eyes are contacts. Even my pale complexion is a temporary color job. So you look like me, I scoffed. Sure, he could be as brown-skinned and black-haired as me, but I couldn't see it. Cousins, for sure, he winked, but then he got serious. I was raised in an Imperium household, but not by choice. I'm an orphan, picked up as a baby from my home planet and adopted. So now I do a little liberating in my free time. My heartbeat sped up. He was like me. Well, a little like me. But still, how do I know you're not lying? He made a show of looking around the room. We could wait and ask the guard who should be coming through here on his rounds in about four minutes, or we could just agree we're on the same side for now and get this done. He swung his crowbar. Your call. What were you going to do with that? I asked, using my lips to point at the heavy bar. Like I said, smash and grab. Not all of us are dainty lockpickers, princess. You break the glass, you'll have guards down on us faster than four minutes. Three minutes and thirty-five seconds now. I could see his point. And if he was telling the truth and his goal was the same as mine, I'd take the help. I'll open the glass boxes. You look out. Three minutes and twenty seconds. I'll get it done, I growled. If you let me work. He raised innocent hands as he took a step back. And right into a security square. The alarm screamed immediately, an eardrum-shattering screech. (laughs) Whoops, he said, laughing. Laughing? A danger freak. I'd known them when I lived with the pirates. People who got off on the adrenaline of the job. The more dangerous, the better. But I was not going to lose my chance... After the exhibit was over, the artifacts would go back in the vault, and I had no idea how long it would be until they were on display to the public again. Get to breaking then, cuz, I said. As you wish. He stepped back, took a practice swing, and then... Smash! The glass box holding the rattle shattered. I reached in with my gloves and gingerly slid the artifact out between the shards. Two steps, and he was at the next box, and smash! And again, until he'd broken all the boxes. I removed each artifact and placed them safely in my bag, hit the button to inflate the protective lining, and hefted it over my shoulder. Shouting in the hallway, and I knew we were out of time. You got a way out, princess? He asked. I looked pointedly at the vent. Oh. Oh. His face fell. I saw it, too. No way was he shimmying up and out of that vent with those broad shoulders and no anti-gravity boots. No worries, he said with another outrageous smile. You go. I'll distract them. But you'll get caught. (laughs) Don't worry about me. I've been in worse situations. I wanted to ask what, but it was too late. I could see figures coming our way. I had to go while I still could. Great meeting you, cuz, he said, swinging his crowbar. Take care now. And then he was running down the hallway away from me, smashing jewel cases and everything else he could reach. I didn't waste the opportunity. In less than ten seconds, I was up and out of the exhibit, belly crawling through the vent and on my way back to my ship. Evie, I asked, hitting my comm. How can I help you, Vi? D- did he make it? That boy? Your request is unclear. I sighed. Are there any new records of detainment coming in from the Imperium Security Force? A second where Evie was working, and then... Affirmative. A young man has been detained. Would you like his statistics? No, I said quickly. The less I knew, the better. But could you hold on to them? Store them in your memory in case I want them another time? Affirmative. I dropped out of the ventilation system on the far side of the museum. I looked around, but all the ruckus was far from me on the other side of the grounds. I made it back to my heart will go on without incident, fired up my engines, and left Imperium airspace. But a little piece of me, maybe the part that wondered if he was some relation to me, if i found not just something of my home planet, but someone stayed behind wondering if I'd done the right thing.
1: Let's get back to our story.
0: This seat taken. I looked up from my very delicious daiquiri to find a stranger blocking my son. Black hair, long and loose in waves, brown skin, dark eyes, and some very nice, well-muscled shoulders. Depends. I asked, appraising him through my sunglasses. Who are you? Well, the much more interesting question is who you are, Violet. I looked around for possible backup, someone to scream help at should I need it. But this close to sunset, I had the beach to myself, and I'd left my calm back on the ship. Sure, I didn't need Evie for a few hours of relaxation by the ocean. This resort town far away from the heart of the Imperium was known as a safe place. Low crime, because a lot of criminals liked the spot, and professional courtesy kept things respectful. Even thieves needed a break now and then. You know my name. I know a lot of things about you. Seems you have me at a disadvantage, I said coolly. I took another sip of my drink. The metal straw would make a good weapon in an emergency. He must have caught my look because he laughed, a very familiar laugh, and stepped back, raising his hands in innocence. Don't get violent on me, cuz, he said. I just wondered if you got those artifacts back to the people they should be with or not. Ah, it was six months and a very good disguise later, But now I saw it. The laugh, the raised hands, my mysterious accomplice from the museum heist. Sorry, never caught your name. (laughs) Does it matter? he asked, dropping into the seat next to me. I like the hair. I was never a fan of blondes. (laughs) Told you. How did you find me? It took me a while, he admitted. But the purple dress... The flowers in your hair, the planet the artifacts you lifted came from, and a friend who has a connection to some pirates of questionable morals. It all came together. He winked. I got skills. I see you are still annoying. He tapped his hands against his stomach. Listen, do you want to do this or not? I frowned. Do what exactly? Why are you here again? His grin was big and confident. Imperium's throwing a birthday party. Heard the Empress herself is going to be there, wearing the crown jewels, the ones they usually keep under lock and key. Seemed like the kind of job a princess might be interested in. I took another sip, stalling. I worked alone. Well, me and Evie. I didn't need a partner, but maybe I wanted one. What's your name? I asked again. My friends call me Trevin, but it's an Imperium name and I always hated it. My partner can call me Valerian. He flushed, looking at me with hesitant eyes. He'd picked a flower name for himself, something natural a reminder of the land. But I wasn't ready to accept his story quite yet. First tell me how you got out of that museum. I didn't. I was arrested. But they couldn't find the artifacts, so they couldn't hold me for theft. Just criminal mischief for breaking the glass. I did four months in the minimum security on a prison planet, and here I am. He'd done time for me. I was touched. What do you say, partner? I sighed. Did I truly want this? Another person to potentially lose? Someone to be responsible for? Someone to keep me from being so alone? You'll have to meet Evie. And she has to like you. I can do that. And I'm the captain of the My Heart Will Go On. So whatever happens on my ship, I'm in charge. Still, not a problem. He leaned over and took a sip from my drink. So annoyingly rude. I had to laugh. Sure, Val, I said, decision made. Let's go take back some pretty rocks from the empress. But listen, you are going to have to learn to pick a lock. He stood, held out a hand, and pulled me to my feet. Somehow he commandeered my drink for himself. Thief. Or maybe you will come to appreciate the benefits of a quick smash and grab. Hey, Val and Vi. He nudged my shoulder. I like it. Or vi and vow. I let the names sit on my lips. It has potential. I admitted. Another grin, as he finished my daiquiri. You bet it does. A couple of things that come most immediately to mind um, in reading this story. One, I I can only imagine being a young girl and reading this story, maybe being exposed to speculative fiction for the first time, and simply falling in love with this character. Um, props to Rebecca Roanhorse, who um, just never ever disappoints when telling a story. I also love the
1: light tenor, the light tone
0: of this story. It's just fun for me. And when I think about this young girl out there in the universe on her own and the loneliness that she must feel, um, I'm rooting for her to have a happy ending. Surprisingly, this story has a lot of layers. You know, on, on one hand it can be read as just a you know a, a simple little romp that takes place in space with, you know, this independent feisty girl. Um but some of the themes that that, that are explored here, um like the the wrongness of imperialism, right? The damage that that kind of behaving and belief, that entitled belief that has caused so much violence and destruction in this world,
1: Um, it doesn't get any more basically
0: deep and meaningful to me than the wrongness of oppression and the history that this world has of oppression of, of the other. So it's you know, it it's a piece that really does live on more than just one level for me. It's it's multi layered and
1: wholly enjoyable on every level.
0: Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is Julia Marie Smith. She's the best in the business, y'all. Our researcher is Lakeisha Lewis. So glad you are aboard my sister. Editing and sound design by Justin Asher, one of our new kids on the block who's not so new anymore. Our sound engineering is by Brendan Burns and my favorite engineer, LeVar Burton. My thanks to Rebecca Roanhorse for allowing me to read her story today. It was first published in A Universe of Wishes in 2020 in the United States by Crown Books for Young Readers, an imprint of Random House Children's Books, a division of Penguin Random House LLC, New York. And Rebecca's latest novel, Black Sun, is out now with a sequel hitting the shelves in 2022. And if you like this podcast, one of the ways you can show it is by sharing an episode with a friend. You can also leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and include a story suggestion for us. Lavar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Josephine Martirana. She is the boss and yours truly, LeVar Burton. And I am Lavar Burton. You can find me on Twitter at Lavar Burton. LeVar.Burton on Instagram or my website LeVarBurton.com I'll see you next time but you don't have to take my word.
1: Ditcher.